three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Sports Arts Chicago. My name's John Zaglou, and great to have you here. Today's edition of the program, well, the Bears trade Nick Foles. Maybe a reason why that comes up in just a second. Plus, a brand new interview today with Jake Crane, the host of Crane & Company. On the Daily Wire, we talk with him extensively about the NFL offseason, some Bears football, and so much more. It's a great interview. Comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. I want to start today with this. I've heard your pleas about Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace. <laughs> John, stop talking about him. Who cares? New regime, new team, new direction. Focus on the positive. And for the most part, I'd like to think that I have. Haven't talked too much about Ryan Pace or Matt Nagy since the firings. But unfortunately, there comes a time where you're forced to talk about them. Where news breaks, news happens, and you have to reflect on just how much of a train wreck they really were for the Bears. Case in point, Trevor Simeon recently visited with the Bears. Who knows if the Bears are planning on signing him to be a backup quarterback, but naturally, because he came in to visit, everybody immediately speculated as to whether Nick Foles will be traded or not. I want to read you this tweet from Greg Gabriel, former NFL scout for 30-plus years. Quote, For those who think Foles will be traded, forget it. Not going to happen. He was just paid $4 million as a roster bonus. Part of his remaining contract is guaranteed for 2022. He's off the books after this year. End quote. A few days ago on Twitter, if you follow me at John Z Sports, I talked about the roster bonus. I said this was a parting gift from our good friend Ryan Pace. It really hurts me to know after all this time, all these changes for the Bears in the right direction, they're still tied and they're still committed, even worse, to Nick Bowles. Obviously, it's going to be very difficult to find a trade partner for him. No one's going to want to pay that salary or that contract. I don't blame Ryan Pauls. I blame Ryan Pace for that stupid move a couple years ago. Bulls signed a four-year, 60-plus million dollar deal, played one year, sucked in Jacksonville. 
And yet Brian Payne thought to himself, you know what? It's a good idea if I bring him here. He'll do better here. Right, with Matt Nagy and the joke of the offense that the Bears had. And sure enough, he's done nothing of significance here in Chicago. Really. It's been a total waste of money, total waste of time. And even if he brought to the table some learning possibilities for Justin Fields, you really can't justify paying him that much money. You know, last year the Bears had $20 million tied up to backup quarterbacks, not even starters. $20 million paid out to Nick Foles and Andy Dalton. And they went 6-11. and 11. Talk about a cap nightmare. You want to talk about cap space and dead cap hits and why the Bears had no money to spend? All these things. Look at Brian Pace paying out $20 million to two backup quarterbacks on his roster. <laughs> talk about ridiculous. Talk about irresponsible. Of course, he's gone. So if you ask me today, is Nick Foles going to be traded? Unfortunately, I'm going to have to say no. Greg Gabriel is spot on in his analysis, and I echo the same sentiment. Some have said, well, hey, bringing Trevor Simeon to be a number three. I have no problem with Trevor Simeon as a backup quarterback. One of the best in the game, in my opinion. Could even start if you need him to. Here's the problem, though. What are you going to do? Pay him and Nick Foles and then have to pay out Justin Fields on his rookie deal? Going to dedicate more cap space to backup quarterbacks? No. Unless Trevor Simeon's going to sign for $1 million or $2 million, which maybe he will, doesn't make any sense. Nick Foles is probably the most expensive backup in the NFL at this point. A $4 million roster bonus. Just so aggravating. What the hell did he do to deserve that? I know a lot of people like his resume. But in reality, he's had one good six-game stretch that led to a Super Bowl. I remember Nick Foles when he came up, when he had that one good year, 28 touchdowns and four picks, something like that. And he went to the Rams in St. Louis, sucked. Train wreck. Jacksonville, train wreck. He's had two good seasons, and the rest have been horrible. I mean, really bad. Like, not even competent NFL starting type player and starting type stats. No, it's been a train wreck. It's been horrible. Like around Justin Fields' rookie year. Even worse in some cases. I don't know what justifies him to get $4 million as merely a roster bonus, let alone what he's going to make next year in guaranteed money. Like Chase Daniel. Chase Daniel's made like, what, $70 million in his career to start four or five games? Kudos to him and his agent, I guess. But for the Bears and for cap purposes and for personnel in general, this is stupid. And it just goes to show the mismanagement of Brian Pace. This whole thing is a symbolization of Brian Pace's mismanagement and stupidity when it comes to paying out players who don't deserve half of what they make. I don't care if Nick Foles won a Super Bowl five years ago. Today, he's a backup at best, maybe a number three as he was last year, making $4 million today for a roster bonus. Nobody's going to want to trade for him. You'd be stupid to do it. Take on the remaining part of that contract, which is guaranteed, and help out the Bears? No. You're going to make them suffer with that contract and with that player on your roster and on the bench. And if the Bears cut him, dead cap hit. They have to keep him around. I get he might be helpful for Justin Fields to learn but then, if that's what you're going to do with them, 
don't pay him that much money. It's not worth keeping Nick Foles around for this much money. I wish the Bears would find a trade partner. but I doubt it at this point. There's no way. Who's going to want to take on that contract? Who's going to want to take on paying some 33-year-old, career-long backup for the most part, all that money? Pay the roster bonus and then have the Bears deal with the dead cap. Nick Foles today, if you traded him, would probably get maybe a sixth or seventh rounder, and that's being generous. One, two. That's if the Bears are lucky. It's just a horrible situation. All have been happening in part by Ryan Pace. This is his parting gift. He might have said, okay, you know what, you guys fired me fine, but I got something for you, something special. You'll love it. Right. Loving that the Bears are paying $4 million just for a roster bonus. And part of his contract being guaranteed for next year already. And if you try to trade him or release him, there's going to be dead cap. I don't understand why his contract is so hard to move. You know, we see all these big moves happening in the NFL, but for some reason, Nick Bowles and his agent negotiated this sort of contract where it's so hard for him to be traded. Why does he want to stay here in Chicago? You know, he said last year, I remember this, I made a video about it too, Oh, I deserve an opportunity, and I want to choose where I'm traded. Who the hell are you? <laughs> what have you done here? You might be revered in Philadelphia, and if you are, then go there. Go to Philadelphia. Take Jalen Hurts' job. You're going to lose it again in five weeks, like you did here. But don't think you're something big because you put up backup numbers in Chicago on top of it. This is what I don't like about Nick Foles, and I never liked that move to begin with. There were some who loved it, who said he would do better than Mitch Trubisky. He would not, and he didn't. And he's certainly not better than Justin Fields either. Not even close. Like it's, There's such a huge gap. I don't care about his resume. What I care about is right now. I'm talking about right now. Maybe Nick Foles has had a better overall career than Justin Fields, Mitch Trubisky, Chase Daniel, Andy Dalton. But I'll tell you this much. And we're talking about today, would you rather have Justin Fields, a young gun, could do great, has a lot of potential, or Nick Foles, 33 years old, can't even throw the ball, and won a Super Bowl a couple years ago with luck more than anything. I had a feeling this would happen, too, last year when the Bears won that game against Seattle and Foles played relatively well. I just, I knew it. I knew he'd stick around for next year. That was his one game to prove and justify paying him this money now. That was the one game. It justified the whole thing. Just one of the worst moves, actually. One of the worst moves by Ryan Pace. I mean it, too. One of the worst moves Ryan Pace made was trade, actually give up any sort of draft capital, even a seventh-round pick, sixth-round pick, for Nick Foles from Jacksonville. When he sucked and lost his job for Gardner Minshew. Lost it. Straight up. Not because of injury, not because of anything. Poor performance. Lost the job. And now, oh, hey, we'll bring in Nick Foles. Come on, we'll pay him. Pay him the rest of his contract and make it so difficult to train him. You know, when the Bears had Mark Sanchez here to teach Mitch Trubisky, remember, in 2017, they didn't pay him an insane amount of money to do it. It was a minimum contract, one or two years. They treated him more so as a coach than a player. That was fine. If the justification is to keep Nick Foles around to teach Justin Fields, then reduce the salary, though. Reduce it. Make it $4 million just for the roster bonus plus what he's going to make next year. That is out of hand. And 
Everybody could agree on that. Out of hand for a backup quarterback. You want to pay him the minimum, you know, two years, $4 million, and a $1 million bonus? Fine. But the fact that he's making $10 million to back up Justin Fields, and he's made that every single year to back up Mitch Trubisky and the other quarterbacks who've been in this team, that is way out there. Way too much money for Nick Foles. And the sense of entitlement's ridiculous. Like you said last year, oh, I want to go where I want to go. No, you should be lucky. You're even being scouted, and teams watch you. You're old. You suck. I want to dispel the myth today. You've heard rumors about Nick Foles or thought about, hey, maybe, maybe there's a chance. Probably not. The quarterback carousel has been spinning all offseason. I don't see any openings either or a team who even needs him. You know, right now, Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo are begging for a team, begging for a starting spot. Tell you one thing, they're way better than Nick Foles. And they will find a job before Nick Foles does. Nick Foles now is a backup in the NFL. That's his new definition. I don't see anybody wanting to pay $10 billion for a backup, especially when a lot of these teams are paying 40 to $50 million for a starter. It's not worth the money. Plain and simple. I don't understand, then, why Trevor Simeon needs to even be looked at. Why not sign an undrafted free agent? Draft somebody in the seventh round. Keep him on your roster as your number three. There's no need to have Trevor Simeon come in. And if you want to pay him a minimum salary, I guess it makes sense. I just don't get it. If you're already paying Nick Foles this much money, you can't move him. Why not sign an undrafted free agent or trap somebody in the late, late rounds and just have him sit on the roster then? If you're so worried about a number three quarterback, then do that instead. <sighs> Again, I'm not blaming Brian Poles for any of this. He probably wants his own backup. Maybe he likes Trevor Simeon, and there's nothing wrong with that. This is more of an indictment and a blame on Brian Pace. Still. And this is why I know nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to hear the name Ryan Pace again or Matt Nagy. But when stuff like this comes up and we have to talk about Nick Foles, Nick Foles and Ryan Pace go hand in hand. They do. Ryan Pace was the idiot who paid him that money and executed the trade. So we have to talk about it. And it's unfortunate. Just goes to show you why he should never be a GM again. Or unless he learns in Atlanta the meaning, the true meaning of the salary cap and how to pay players and their market value, that's basic economics 101, then maybe he'll get a second chance. But trading for Nick Foles from the Jaguars when he was benched for Gardner Minshew, paying out the rest of his contract, making it virtually impossible to trade him, and making the Bears pay out that money every year for a backup quarterback. And that's something you should have learned at college, Economics 101, or maybe when you were with the Saints, even. How did you not learn about this stuff? Why would you execute a trade for Nick Foles? You know, it's so funny. Look at the NFL this year. Look at all the trades happening. Matt Bryant, Baker Mayfield, Sean Watson. Wow. And then you look at the NFL two or three years ago. Oh, yeah, the Bears traded for Nick Foles. He'll compete, actually really compete. It's a serious competition between him and Mitchell Trubisky for the starting job. Wow. <laughs> what a difference a couple of years make. Oh, Jimmy Garoppolo might be in the move. Russell Wilson was traded, but two years ago, we're talking about here in Chicago, hey, Nick Foles came in, yes. 
I don't get it. And it really frustrates me to see out of all people, Nick Foles collect this big a paycheck. And if it was two or three, even four, five million a year, I wouldn't be mad. It's a backup quarterback. But when you're making just a $4 million roster bonus, when the rest of your contract is guaranteed, when it becomes impossible to trade you, and no team wants you, you become a burden on the team you play for. He has become a burden for the Bears, a salary cap burden, and just a burden in general. They don't need him. There's no need for Nick Foles on this team. He even said last year, he wants to start somewhere, thinks he could play again. Great. If you think so, I know you're wrong, but if you think so, fine, then go. The contract's almost burdening him and the Bears. Burdening his career and the Bears with the salary cap. And nothing's changing. Really, really unfortunate to see a play out like this. I would just hope that something happens, but I don't expect. You heard what Greg Gabriel said, and I said the same thing. When they paid him that $4 million roster bonus, that means they're invested in him staying. You know, if you remember with the Matt Ryan trade, Atlanta asked to delay the roster bonus. They did. They didn't pay it to him. They traded him instead. They knew they were going to get rid of him. So they delayed the roster bonus by a couple of days. They never paid it to him, and they executed the trade before the bonus was owed. That is smart football. I guess Brian Pace did learn something then down in Atlanta. This is it. And the Bears paid the roster bonus. Ryan Poles didn't want to lengthen it out or look for a partner, and I get it. It's not a priority. The Bears have so many other needs. We've talked about this. O-line, wide receiver, secondary. And they have a ton of needs. And I've been down the middle about how they've approached things in free agency. They, I know they want the draft. Fine. This may not be priority number one. And he does come off the books after this year. I guess I'm just frustrated as to how long he stayed, how for some reason he just can't be traded, and how much money he's earned, really stolen from the Bears, for doing nothing. And he's still here. They've, he's done nothing. That is what frustrates me. When I saw this Trevor Simeon news and I saw everybody say, oh, that means they're trading Nick Foles. Well, not so fast. That's the nature and the business side of the NFL. If the Bears do trade him, it's going to be a very good day for Chicago Bears fans and for Bears media for me too. I'm going to come on and celebrate. But the fact is, it's not looking like it. And once again, the Bears are going to pay a lot of money, an expensive rate for a backup quarterback. Shame on Brian Pace. This is his legacy. It's not Mitch Trubisky. It's not Kevin White. I mean, those play a role. But really, his living legacy is Nick Foles, the stupid trade that he did to get him, and now the money that the Bears have to pay him sit on the bench and do absolutely nothing. What a joke. What a come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Jake Crank comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here for John Zaglul, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the host of Crane and Company in the Daily Wire and a former college football coach. Please welcome Jake Crane to the program. Jake, it's great to have you on. How are you? 
Hey, man, I appreciate you having me on. Hope everybody's doing good out there as we uh, try and get closer to some warmer weather, at least even down here where <laughs> I'm at. What do you make of this crazy NFL offseason, first off? Yeah, you know, it's uh, kind of like I said in the show the other day, it's one step away from getting put in a boat and sent to Shutter Island. It's been so crazy. I mean, you mix <laughs> that with Major League Baseball spending $3.625 billion in free agency this year. I mean, I, I can't recall – and. There's always moves that surprise you, but the amount of big names that have been moved this offseason and even before we've gotten to the draft to me has uh, been very surprising, but it's been fun to cover and it's good for business, as I'm sure you know. <laughs> Which move surprised you the most from the NFL so far? No, I want to say Tom Brady coming back, but uh, I'm not really that surprised. Uh, but if we're talking about, you know, moves from team to team, Russell Wilson to the Broncos, not, not that I didn't, you know, think there was a chance that Russell was going to move because if you look at that roster, they've got to do something and, and they've got to move him while he's still able to, you know, compete at the level he is. Going to Denver, that's what surprised me. Uh, a second one would be probably Devontae Adams going to the Raiders, uh, decide not to stay with Aaron when he gets force fed the ball. He gets as many, you know, targets as a gun range. So uh, him leaving uh, Green Bay to go reunite with Derek Carr, a little uh, college sweetheart situation, I guess you could say. Uh, it's going to be pretty interesting, but, you know, that's just touching the surface of what's been going on. Did the Raiders overpay for Adams or no? You know, I don't think they did. Uh, Devontae, when you have a guy of that caliber uh, that, that is, has just done nothing but ascend, when the defense knew that he was the guy that was going to get the ball, that, that's another thing. It's one uh, thing to come in when nobody really knows who you are. Uh, they don't know how to tailor coverages to you. They're not worried about you too much as opposed to somebody else. Then there's Devontae Adams where they know you're the dog. And, and they know Aaron is going to find a way to get you the ball. Uh, so I don't think they did overpay. I think Devontae's that type of player. How much do you think it affects the Raiders' playoff chances and Super Bowl chances next year? Well, you know, the AFC West, I mean, is is an absolute, you know, nightmare division. I mean, you could see multiple teams obviously make the playoffs out there with the wild card berth in that situation. Uh, I don't think they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't think they have enough pieces, even while adding Devontae. Because, uh, again, it takes a whole team. I mean, you have some teams we've seen in today's, you know, age of football where offensively they've driven the team and the defense had to be good enough. Uh, then you see teams sometimes that are a little bit better on defense, but they're typically the teams that are the most complete and the most whole. And when I look at all three phases for the Raiders, while I think they've made some good decisions, uh, I don't think they're there yet. Uh, they just don't have enough pieces, in my opinion. Jake Crane here on Sports Talk Chicago. Jake, what was your reaction to the Bears hirings at head coach and GM? You know, I, I, I'm always a, a benefit of the doubt, you know, type of guy. The NFL is a different league. Uh, you, you know, having experience there and, and kind of knowing what's going on uh, is always a plus. So, you know, I'm, I'm going to give the whole staff time. I mean, even Ryan Poles with what he's doing right now uh, with the moves that, that he's making. We Obviously, you know they're rebuilding. I mean, it's, it's really no hint at what they're doing. So that has to go into consideration with the coaching staff as well. But, you know, I, I look at it in two or three-year increments. Uh, so, you know, I, I think they made a good move. We'll see if it's a great move. That's, there's always a little margin between those two. You like the idea of them rebuilding. Do you think it's time for the Bears to be doing that? Yeah, I mean, you, again, and, and we got to define what rebuilding is. You know, you have rebuilding what the Jaguars is doing, where they're just selling every, everybody on the farm and keeping Trevor Lawrence. And, and I, you know, I do like some of the moves the Bears have made, you know, getting St. Brown and Pringle at wide receiver. I'm interested to see how Pringle does outside of the Patrick Mahomes world when he's not a guy that's being focused on a ton. Uh, you know, w when I look at, at the future for the Bears, and you, you got to love Justin Fields. You got to love some pieces on the defense. I think moving Khalil Mack 
was the right move. I, I just, for both parties at the end of the day. And sometimes, you know, as I say on the show, you got to kind of blow it up before you glow it up as opposed to doing what the Rams did and some of these other teams where you put a Frankenstein team together, go all in and see if it works out. So I'm buying the bears for the next five years. Uh, Cause I think Justin Fields is going to end up being a phenomenal player. What makes you confident in Justin Fields? What have you seen? You know, while watching him diagnose coverages a little bit, cause it, cause look, you know, at Ohio state, they didn't run the most complex things, but there's been a lot of really good quarterbacks that got in the NFL and did well that didn't run super complex things. I mean, Wyoming and Josh Allen wasn't out there, you know, uh, rewriting a Lemony Snicket book backwards. I mean, it was it, it was somewhat uh, simple. But the thing I like about Justin is I can I can see him getting better mentally, but the ability to extend plays outside of the pocket with some of the pieces that the bears are going to get down the road, that's invaluable to me. Cause you have guys that are able to extend the, uh, extend the play in the pocket, the Tom Brady's, uh, the Matt Ryan's, the Peyton Manning's used to guys that aren't going to run a lot of sprint out guys that aren't going to make a defender. Yeah. Defensive end miss and, and find a guy 20 yards downfield like Patrick Mahomes when he scrambles out of the pocket, Justin can do that. He can throw off platform. He can throw rolling left. He can throw rolling right. Still needs to improve his accuracy on the run, but hell who doesn't. Uh, I just like all the tools that he has. And I know Justin's a competitor. He's a guy that wants to win and he likes the pressure. That's what I like about Justin. Did the turnover numbers last year scare you at all from him? Oh, well, I mean, look, again, it's so early in the career. It's when you throw a guy in the fire, going from college to the NFL and playing at Ohio State, that's the top of the mountain in college. You're playing against NFL guys, but there is no way to simulate the speed. There's no way to simulate the athletic ability, the catch-up ability of DBs, the ability for all the DBs to jump out of the gym, and then you're getting, you know, a bunch of coverages thrown at you. So uh, while it is a concern, you'd rather get them out of the way now and learn from them because that that tape of him turning the ball over is more valuable than the tape of him throwing touchdown passes. Now, you don't want it to be a recurring problem, but that's how you actually learn and grow. I mean, you, you can't teach experience. You have to experience it. How concerning is the elongated throwing motion? I've heard from some people that that could be a problem. You're a former football coach. What do you make of it? Uh, I, I think sometimes we make a little bit more of that uh, out of that than what we should. I mean, there's been guys that have uh, won Super Bowls that uh, have had really quick releases. There's other guys that that haven't. So uh, if you have good timing, if you had have good nuance, which he does, what do I mean by that? He doesn't just throw the fastball. You know, it's like being a pitcher in Major League Baseball. You can't get up there and just throw the fastball 100 miles per hour and think you're going to strike everybody out. Eventually, they're going to start tagging you. But Justin has the ability to throw the change up, the lollipop screen, dump the fade in the bucket, do the things like that, throw the whole shot versus cover two when he has to heat one up. Um, I just having having the ability to put the ball where Justin can put it and his his release is fast enough. I think people make more th- uh, make more out of that than, than what should be made out of it. How much progress do you expect from him next year? Oh, I expect a big jump. Uh, now, look, you, you've got to look at the sum of all parts. Now, what do we mean by a big jump? I want to see the turnover numbers down. I want to see him scramble, but scramble smart when he recognizes that it's man coverage and the defense. You watch Aaron Rodgers and some of these other guys, even Tom Brady, the minute they realize that it's man coverage, whether it be cover one, uh, uh, even two man, and you're running guys out there and you've got guys back turn and the pass rush is, is coming behind you to take off and go get that first down in the try, instead of trying to be the hero. I want to see stuff like that, but it's not lowering your shoulder and running over safeties or taking crazy chances. It's running smart. Why can guys like Lamar Jackson and Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson get away with running in, in the amount they do? Because you can never square them up. 
That's how you play a long time in this league. So it's little stuff like that. We know they're not going to pro- win the Super Bowl next year. I hate to say that and burst everybody's bubble even before the season, <laughs> but there's little things from the most important position uh, that you need to see. I, I do like what they've done on the offensive line as well. Uh, you know, bringing in Lucas Patrick to replace James Daniels, you know, you're bringing in the guard. I'm interested to see what they do with the uh, draft pick they got in the second, though. Where's that put the Bears as far as record and expectations for next year? I mean, obviously not a Super Bowl, but where do you see them going? I think they're going to be above. I, I think they've got a chance to be just about even, maybe a game, game or two above 500. I, I don't see them. Again, you have to have the guys around you in the games that matter and the situations that can really make the plays for you. And with the wide receiver group they have, look, I mean, Denzel Mooney is an inside guy. Uh, Pringle is an inside guy. You've got to find an X. You've got to find a guy on the on the outside that can give Justin that 50-50 ball outlet that turns into a 70-30 ball, not just catch the slant, not just hit the double move, not just run the dig and be able to come back and get 13, but a guy you can throw the long ball to because Justin can throw the long ball and can jump up high point it and go get you six. For to come with Jake Crane in just a moment, stay tuned. This is Sports Talk Chicago. Jake Crane still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Jake, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, your career. How did you get your start? Man, uh, you know, it's a crazy story. Uh, I'm going to write a book about it one day. A lot of people probably won't believe it when I tell you. But uh, played at South Alabama down in Mobile. Uh, got done. Coach, uh, coach GA there. Moved around the country in junior college. Uh, my first couple years of coaching. Ended up going back to South Alabama. Uh, coaching the bowl game against Bowling Green uh, with special teams and and you know, name the other position, sometimes special teams tight end, sometimes special teams corners. Uh, then during the quarantine was up coaching in Montana and they sent us home, just started. We had just signed, I had the early signing period for recruiting. It was the first year it was instituted. So I didn't have to recruit any more guys. I was like, man, I might as well, you know, do something. So just, you know, I'm not Steve jobs by any stretch of the imagination. <laughs> so getting, uh, an audio podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify was hard enough for me, uh, but ended up doing it and it grew really quickly and uh, was supposed to fly back. Was actually interviewing for a DC job uh, at where I was up in Montana and was sitting in the parking deck in Memphis at the airport and was like, man, I might as well give this a shot. And, you know, look, really less than two years later, we were just with Colin Cowherd in the volume. And then uh, Ben Shapiro and the Daily Wire reached out to me uh, about doing sports content that doesn't talk politics. So regardless of what side of the aisle you're on, we don't care at Crane & Company. We just talk sports. Uh, I think a lot of people would agree. You know, it's like if I want to learn about cooking, I don't I don't go to the HGTV channel. You know, it's just <laughs> it blows my mind. How beneficial was your time with the volume? Oh, it was very beneficial. I mean, Colin was great. Um you know, gave me a lot of, a lot of really good advice, kind of told me how the business was because, you know, this is something that just kind of, I, I fell into very, you know, humbled and fortunate to fall into. Uh, but no, he was great. Uh, was always there when I, when I had questions or if I needed something, I mean, we collabed a bunch uh, and it was a really good experience and prepared me, you know, for where, where we are now with taking the show national. What makes your show different from the political programming the Daily Wire has? Well, we just don't talk politics. Uh, you know, the only, you know, the only mask we talk about is, you know, the new Rydell face mask they got in college football. <laughs> I mean, the only shots we talk about are, are the bad ones that teams take in the tournament and the good ones that are made in the NBA. Um, you know, n- not that sometimes there isn't a little bit uh, of an overlap, you know, obviously with Kyrie being able to play at home, but we don't attack it like, oh, they should have the mandates or they should not have the mandates. We say, 
what does this mean for the Nets? Are they now a legitimate threat to win an NBA championship? So if you're tired, regardless if you're Republican, Democrat, uh, you know, Green Party, Libertarian, uh, just want a place that you remember that you can go, you know, watch sports and listen to sports and it's just sports. Uh, that's us. And I think the show's hilarious, too. So how important is that, do you think? I mean, it seems like a lot of shows today want to delve into politics. You guys are obviously yeah. different. No, I mean, I, I think there's a big lane for it. I mean, you you have certain entities in the sports world that are all the way on one side of the spectrum and then others that are all the way on the other end of the spectrum. Uh, I think there's a lot more people out there like me that just w- when you were trying to find sports, you want to talk about sports. I don't want to I don't want to listen to a sports show and then feel like I get sucker punched at the end or somebody, you know, virtue signaling me about something or if I disagree with them politically. Uh, why does that matter? We're talking about the Red Sox and the Blue Jays. Like, I don't I don't get it. Um, I, I saw a poll out there. Uh, that said 89% of Americans don't want politics in their sports. Well, that's a pretty big lane, it seems like to me, and that's when I am fine to drive a Mack truck through. Hoverboarding, is it uh, work with your brother, too? Oh, it's good. You know, I've known him his whole life, being the older brother. It's uh, <laughs> it's it's really funny because, you know, the chemistry on the show is really good, even with, you know, uh, we have former Michigan quarterback uh, David Cohn is our third guy. Uh, it's, it's almost like you're kind of going to a sports bar with your buddies and having debates, uh, uh, you know, about, you know, all the sports or whatever's going on. We just happen to, you know, all coach and, and play for a while and, and, uh, at a high level. So it's, it's really rewarding. Now I'm always right. And he's always wrong. And when people <laughs> ask, you know, which one are you, it's, I'm easy to find. I'm the smarter, better looking one. So if you tune in to Crane and company, it's going to be very easy to see who I am and then who my brother is. Jake, before we finish up today, last question. What's the funniest moment that you've been a part of in your career? The funniest moment? Well, so we had, when I was with uh, <laughs> Cowherd in the volume, we were doing our show out of the College Football Hall of Fame, and me and Blaine, who, who's my brother, had a bet on the show. He had bet me before the season that Ole Miss was going to beat Alabama in football. And so the bet was it wasn't money, but the loser had to eat the hottest – uh, wings, six hot wings, the, the hottest ones on the Scoville scale, which is like the hottest of the hot. So we ordered, special ordered this hot sauce. Like I'm surprised it wasn't brought to us in a hazmat suit and I ended up winning the bet. So Blaine ate the six wings live on the show. And I known my brother his whole life. Once he got through the second one and that sauce hit him, he was whiter than Casper the ghost and he manned up and ate all six of them. And there's a meme of him. I mean, he's sweating, he's white, but the funniest part was right after the show, uh, we were going out to eat to watch a game. And right when we sit down, he has to get up and he walk just walks around the restaurant for 30 minutes because the way he put it, it felt like I was being swallowed by a Dementor. <laughs> so that was the funniest. And as the older brother, just the most rewarding for me. Well, Jake, thank you so much for joining me. Best wishes at the Daily Wire. Keep up the great work, and hopefully we can do this again very soon. Thank you. Hey, definitely, man. Love what you're doing. Uh, anytime you need me, just holler, brother, and uh, we'll see how the Bears do. It, just trust the process. you got to trust the process. Great talk there with Jake Crane. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Jake Crane himself, Matt Tubio, WCKG, Jim DeTobin, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook. John's a glue. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, SportsTalkChicago.com. Another great show comes with tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! <laughs>
Oh! We are the turtles!